Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for stopping by. This is the On Your Way Out podcast. I am your host, Evan Marlowe, and this is episode number four. If you're just joining us, thanks for stopping in and taking a listen. We do have three other episodes that have been archived, and you can find them on onyourwayout.com or pretty much everywhere you would find your podcasts. I urge you to go and listen to them. Really insightful interviews and some wonderful, wonderful advice from really, really successful and innovative people. And I think there's something for everybody to learn in those episodes, so please go check those out too. This episode's guest is not just a successful and innovative thinker, but I'm really proud to say he's one of my best, best friends. Throughout my career, the jobs of my wife and I have caused us to relocate a few times, and one of those places was down into the southeastern part of the state near Milwaukee. Um, Obviously, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My wife, Keely, and I spent some of the best years of our life down in this area. We bought our first house together. We renovated that house, um, and my wife gave birth to our son down in that area as well. So obviously that there is a very, very warm place in our heart for the Milwaukee area. But one of the brightest parts of our time in there was also the relationship that we got to form with today's guest, Chris Early. I bring him on today not only to talk about his outlook on life as a very successful and innovative special education teacher, but unfortunately also as a recent widower. On August 4th, Chris lost his wife a dream to some unforeseen complications during a spinal surgery. A dream who was a associate professor of art and design at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee really led a life worth mimicking. Her warmth, kindness, laugh, love, and hugs will be remembered always. And she was a really great friend, not only to myself, but to my family and everyone around her. And she's really going to be missed. Today's podcast really allows Chris to have some really unique insight for his On Your Way Out speech. No one should really have to experience this. And after listening to Chris's interview, I think you're going to find that he has a really, really positive and hopeful view of everything that's been going on. Um, and so without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Mr. Chris Early. So you and I have been friends for how many years now has it been? I think we figured out roughly eight to nine. Eight, eight to nine, somewhere in there, eight to nine years. Um, and our our relationship first started when we were at a high school down in southeastern Wisconsin. Um, I was the band director, and and you were the. I was, was the was uh, a special educator for the moderate to severely disabled. Yeah. Um, students. So and we had students that were everything from nonverbal and and then pull ups to being tube fed. So yeah. yeah. It was the, it was the. Um, kids that had kind of a rough lot in life. Yeah. And one of the things, so you and I got to work together a lot because your classroom um, and the some of the adjoining classroom to you um, came to my classroom in my music wing for adaptive music mm-hmm. every single day. That's right. And it was, I'll say in my experience, probably one of the most challenging yet rewarding, most fun-filled parts of the day. Um, that I can imagine. I look back in my career, and that that is one of the classes that I think of most. And um, you and I got together um, and worked with how we could incorporate music in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Um, 
I ended up subbing for you That's right. <laughs> whenever, yeah. Yeah. whenever you were gone. Um, so how did you get into special education? How does one, what's your journey that you took to get there? Well, I guess I have to ask you how far back should I go? Uh, that is your oh, prerogative. Man. I mean, if you want, I, however you got there. So... Uh, I'll give you the cliff note version yeah. first. And it's funny because I don't know if this generation of students really understand what cliff notes are versus... Um, <laughs> spark notes. I spark think no, yeah, spark, spark notes. notes. Yeah. Uh, so I did not come to education directly from undergrad. And mm -hmm. so my background was actually in art. And I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, I was a potter. And then uh, went at various points in my life around the country, from Michigan City to Raleigh, North Carolina, to even in Peoria, I made pots. And my wife was a professor in Cincinnati at the University of Cincinnati. And we were there for a few years, and we wanted to be closer to home. And we ended up getting pregnant, and we came back to Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And I was in grad school at UW-Milwaukee for art and um, realized that I didn't have a lot to say to the fine art world. And so... Um, <laughs> I ended up switching over to education, and I had a good friend that was a special ed teacher for Milwaukee Public Schools, and um, I had done some shadowing with him when I was in grad school for art, and it it just looked awesome. Yeah. And um, so I I switched and got my um, my license in special ed, and went to MPS for two years, and then I worked with you for a few years, and yeah. then now I'm somewhere else. Cool. Um. So. In thinking about, for those of us that are listening, there's a lot of students who listen to this. There's a lot of teachers who listen mm -hmm. to this. But there's also a lot of non-teachers. And for people that aren't really into the education world, right now we're, we're in a pretty big shortage right. For, right. for special education yeah. teachers at this point. And why do you think that is? What, where, 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 do you, where do you come down on that? Um, I think a lot of it is the public perception of education. Yeah. Um, my father taught physics at Bradley University from 1959 until 2000 and I got to think now, roughly 15. Okay. I can't do the math in my head right now, but roughly 58 years he taught. Wow. Um, it was one of the, he had two jobs his whole life and that was the second one and he was in there for a while. <laughs> um, but, you know, you talk to him about how education changed and I think the perception of the educator and public schools change a lot, you know, and he mm -hmm. was at a private university, but... I think the, the the shortage is that, and I think it's 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 hard work and it's not a lot of pay. And sure. I think you know what what people struggle with, particularly in the private sector, if you want to call it that, is you know I worked harder, my company made more money, I made more money. You know why don't you guys do that? And it's well, it doesn't work that way in yeah. education, right? <laughs> I can't add a line item to a budget to say, hey, you know this is I'm going to increase everyone's salary by this much or that much. Yeah. And it, it's hard work. And I know that when I worked with you and I had the, the kids that were, you know, more, more severely disabled, we do a lot. I mean, we, from, from, you know, helping kids blow noses to literally feeding them through a tube. And, yeah. I um, mean, so, so that's hard. And I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on teachers um, because parents want what's best for their kids. Yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome. But it's a lot of times it's, you know, parents might struggle what to do and they come to the teachers and they want the teachers to fix it all. And it's kind of hard sometimes. Sure. You know? Well, and the, the special education world, especially in, in that type of a population, 
they they don't graduate at eighteen. They don't. No, I mean, yeah, up through twenty one, and so yeah, that's um, and that's something that that's a little known fact that a lot of people don't yeah. really realize right. that 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 population. It, it, we when when I was just before I left the school that we taught at, um, I had a student that came into the room that was going to be in there. I believe it was for the next nine years yeah, or eight years. Like yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and so that was that that was kind of an eye opening um, piece there. And so I think special education is it it takes special people to fill those roles. Um, it's I, I I think it is I I had not until I had had that classroom um, until I had had that class in my room I never really truly understood that experience. Yeah. And then being being with those kids every single day. You kind of it helped me really put into perspective what what we do as teachers, mm-hmm. like what what is what is at the core of what right, we do, right. and because we weren't we weren't learning a whole lot of music, but we were brightening days, right? And and that's the thing that I think it's important for for people to understand is is you know th- these are kids that might look different than what you yeah. would typically expect to see in a classroom, but they still love, they still hate, they still want to get up and dance. I mean, we, we did a really nice job of trying to socialize with other schools. And I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, those kids were probably one of my favorite group of kids to work with. And it's because they were who they were and they came in and it was awesome to see them. And there were times that they frustrated you like any class would, mm-hmm. but they were still kids and they still, you know, we perceived their disability as a problem, but they didn't know any better because that's who they were. Yeah. So they were yeah. able to sort of run with it. And that was where some, some magic happened when it's like when you would see a, a kid that would finally get a concept that, you know, a four-year-old might get. I mean, it was awesome. And, you know, parents coming in, you know, and a lot of these parents had a hard time because the students that you and I worked with were late teens or, you know, yeah. 20-year-olds sometimes. Yeah. And it was tough because I think a lot of the times the parents had um, – they had high expectations for their kids, but maybe no one else did. Sure. So when you put that effort in and, and treated the kids like everyone else, I think that meant a lot to them as well. You know? Sure. So, yeah. Sure. And I and one of the things that I loved also about that school was that those kids were in the hallways. Oh, yeah. With uh, I mean, it was I, I wouldn't necessarily call it fully mainstreamed, but they were in the same yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. And that and that was to see the way that young adults dealt with that mm-hmm. population right, of kids right. was was. Also very eye opening because right. we we they they really they really help those kids out. I think there was a lot of kids who looked out for yeah, yeah. that for yeah. the for those special ed kids and and that it was just an everyday occurrence that yeah. that that's they were they were friends. Right. That those were kids that you know it they weren't any different from any other right. else. That was, and I think it speaks a lot to the culture. Yeah, I know it's you look outside now at the world and it seems kind of sad and decisive but yeah i i know that when i you know and i'm 41 so i don't feel i'm an agent but <laughs> you know when i was in junior high we had a classroom open next to us in our hallway that that had kids with severe disabilities mm-hmm. and i had never really experienced that before and that was in the kind of mid 90s sure and uh, you know i have a 10 year old girl now my daughter who you know she has friends with special needs and, and it's it, it, you're right it's mainstreamed it's like hey we're gonna have them come to the birthday party because they're in your class mm-hmm. and i feel that it's that's a nice job that the society's done to say hey you know stop putting the kids in the basement because that was the <laughs> that was it right yeah. and so you know and I, I think because we all have someone in our lives that that is special whether it's mentally physically yep. emotionally so i think it's you know we're all alike yeah absolutely more than we admit. so it's good that we're doing that um so what do you think in your upbringing and your life 
prepared you to do this because you you are good at what you do, <laughs> and <laughs> well, yeah, otherwise you, yeah. you you wouldn't be coming on my podcast if oh. if if you weren't good at what you yeah, do. Right, yeah. And so what 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 makes you the 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 cut above the rest? What, oh wow! Why, why do you yeah, have... no pressure? Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I said, my first you know first career path was not going to be education. Now yeah. you know my father was a professor. My my wife ended up being a professor. My mother in law is a teacher in Chicago. My sister in law was a teacher in Chicago. So it's education's there. Yeah, and I was not going to teach. That was just no. And and I sure. had my my art degree, which I was going to go change the world. And you know what we all <laughs> is. Or, um, but I worked various jobs, and they everything from a custom cabinet maker to a baker to construction and stuff. I mean, I, I kind of did it all, and I saw really kind of a wide spectrum of abilities for people that I worked with. And mm-hmm. I mean that like. There are guys that you couldn't have a, hold a conversation with them, but you give them a hammer and a nail, and it's like, oh my lord, I can't believe what that guy just did, and yeah. you know, build this thing. So I think what helps, um, and I would like to think, and I've asked kids this, and and I it's probably worth noting that I don't work with those kids anymore. So I'm just a special educator, mostly with kids with autism and learning disabilities. So it's a little different than what I've done, but mm-hmm. I have high expectations, and and I I try to be firm but fair because I know that the real world is not the same as high school. It's not the same as college. It's kind of theory-based or whatever. So it's like, I expect you to do these things because one day you're going to have to, and I I will meet you at your level. So for some students, that was, can you safely cross the road? Like, I'm going to expect you to do that very well (laughs) because, you know, the alternative is not going to end well. Correct. Um, But I have those expectations, and and I think that's what's, what's helpful is that, you know, I, I'll be the first one to get kind of snarky and, and, and get on your back, mm-hmm. but I'm staying with you. It's yep. not, you didn't, you know, there's, there's not criticism without, without the support there. Yeah. I need to kind of get the kids to be independent and whether that's an individual with autism who, you know, we know can go to college and we've just got to push them into the uncomfortable zone so they know how to function in society to, you know, someone that can't cross the road because mm-hmm. they, you know, and, and, and it kind of runs the gamut. Yeah. And. I think that there's kind of going along with what you said. There's always a quote that comes to my brain. Um, the great jazz trumpeter, Wynton Marsalis, mm-hmm. whenever he would give, he's worked with thousands and thousands of students, and whenever he'd give them any criticism, he'd always say, it's, it's all out of love. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, all, yeah. it's all out of love. I'm going to tell you something that you're doing wrong, something that you need to do better, but it's all out of love. And I think that's really important, um, especially in that special education classroom, too, because tensions can run high. And, oh, yeah. and yeah. the stress is really high. Yeah. And I think it's, it's where we haven't really quite figured out what we want that to look like yet. Right. Um, so let's, let's dive a little bit more into not just professional you, but personal you. Um, so you, 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 you were an art student for a long time. Do you still practice no. doing stuff? No, <laughs> no, that ship <laughs> sailed and caught fire and sank. Um, no, I, you know, I, initially, I I went into I was going to be a furniture designer, mm-hmm. and and you know you can unpack where I'm at as an educator, and you might say to yourself something, like, <laughs> you know, like really how did that you know it, it it's kind of I wanted to help people. I like the idea of of universal design and furniture design, and it was not challenging the status quo, but like hey, how can I design something that will help humanity? It yeah. sounds a bit much, but I mean it's that kind sure. of thought, right? Um, and unfortunately, the sculpture professor at Bradley, who was a fine teacher, just didn't like wood. Didn't you know? He was a mm-hmm. kind of a 
a stone and cement and metal and kind yeah. of very macho. And so about the same time, I found ceramics. And I like the idea of making a well-made, functional, usable object, right? Yeah. That's what it was. And so that's what I was going to do. I was going to go out and kind of, you know, and change the world. And and, and even in, in undergrad, I, I did not fit the art mold, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I went out, had a pottery, had an apprenticeship, kind of spent some years doing that. Um, and then my wife was a design professor. So I kind of had my hand in the art world a little bit. And this kind of came back to the realist side of me of the, you know, the expectations I have for my students is like, how are you contributing to society? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have art out there. I think it's important for people to have that. That's what makes us human, right. Is the written word or the painted picture or something like that. But it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that. And the program I was at, just didn't jive with what I was doing, and I felt like I needed something else. And so when I left the art world behind, it doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. It's yeah. just something that I, I know my place, if you will. And I think, but it's important that I had to go through the adventure of life to get to that spot, right? Sure. And and I'll still go in every now and then where I teach now, and I'll do some demos on the wheel and, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And kids are always enamored because it's like magic, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, and they'll ask me questions about art school, and I'll try and be very PC about it. You know, mm-hmm. that's, it's important to have an open mind and do that. But for me, no, I think the, the art's gone. I mean, as I get older, maybe, uh, you know, yeah. but it's okay. I'm in a different phase. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so this is our, our new year's episode and today. Go. Today is new year's day. Happy new year, we're recording. Yeah. Yes. New happy 2020. Um, how, how was this past year for you? <laughs> so, um, I think the elephant in the room you're looking yeah, at is maybe a little bit. Yeah. My wife passed away August first, so actually five months ago today. So yeah. she had um, she had a uh, needed to have neck surgery, and she ended up passing, uh, as far as we know, an embolism, and ended mm-hmm. up passing away. Um, and so from that was August first. So yeah, so the last I don't know, almost half of the year was a little bit different than the first half. So yeah, um, which is kind of. Uh, I don't want to say unexpected in the sense that it was a pretty heavy surgery she had to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had known about it for a number of years. In fact, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, at least she knew about it at least 25 years. She was 43. And so she realized mm-hmm. she had some dental work done and they were able to look through her mouth basically for the x-ray and say, oh, your neck doesn't look right. So she had some compressed vertebrae. So that's something we've always been aware of. Yeah. And so um, it's something that before surgery, you know, I, we had some great conversations and um, our 10-year-old daughter, I think, had some conversations that I may never know about with her mom. But, but mm-hmm. before my wife had surgery, she wrote letters to us. And that wow. actually, which was helpful. I mean, yeah. she also was the person that when she would travel for work, she would write letters. So it's not out of left field. <laughs> sure. You know, but now those are worth their weight in gold or more. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's where it's at. So so 2019 was not a good year at all. Probably, <laughs> you know, one of the worst I'll ever have. But sure. But what I do is I get up and I, I keep going because that's what I got to do. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as I, we said before that Chris um, is, has been a, a friend for quite a few years now. And so and, and not just Chris, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris right. and Adrian and Corinna have been very close uh, family friends as well as colleagues. And so um, it was that it blindsided a, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Right. Um, and Adrian was such a, a wonderful, caring person. <laughs> um, could, can you tell us a little bit of like what was her background? Yeah. So she, uh, 
she grew up. Um, she did some amazing, yeah, she did amazing right, yeah. stuff. She grew up outside Chicago, and um, uh, South Side uh, suburbs, I guess, right where I eighty and I fifty five cross for you, yeah, people that want to look up a map. Um, <laughs> so she uh, extremely smart. Um, except that she married me. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But she, uh, I think we all are. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but she, um, she was going to be a lawyer. She was going to change the world and went to undergrad and shadowed a lawyer at yeah. Bradley, where we went. And um, after the first semester, the lawyer she was shadowing was like, "Dude, not, not, a, no, you don't want to do this." And yeah. she agreed. And she had been pretty good with art, so she became a graphic designer. And um, she was able to um, parlay that into a pretty successful career. You know, she graduated college in 98, her undergrad. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of right when the dot-coms were exploding. Yeah. Um, and so she went to work for a design firm in Chicago. And, you know, the funny thing about art school is that, you know, it's like sign your painting, sign your ceramic. You know, that's you. It's your mark kind of thing. And then you go into this kind of corporate art world and... She worked at a company, and she did some designs that most people have probably seen, but no one would know she did it because it was part of the firm. So the funny story that she liked to tell was um, Lucini Olive Oil. Mm -hmm. Um, She designed the label that is still on the bottle. Oh, wow. Which, it's not even a good design, and she would just (laughs) laugh about it. But, you know, the funny thing was that this olive oil company was so concerned about the intellectual property that they sent her the information, like, in a lock, literally a locked box. (laughs) And her creative director got the key, and it was like, go in a room and look at what we want. And it was just, wow. it was kind of weird. I mean, but, but I mean, there's something to be said about the brand identity. You know, she did the Chicago Auto Show design, would have been 98 or 99, that hung up all over the city. And things that sound really cool. Yeah. You know, things that you're aware of, but you don't really think about. Um, so from there, I graduated undergrad in 2000. She was a couple years older than I was. And we went to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I had an apprenticeship, and she went to grad school at NC State. Yeah. Um, which you don't think about being a phenomenal design school, but at the time it was one of two programs in America that offered a master's of graphic design. Okay. Yale was the other one. Wow. And it was a, kind of a big mover and shaker down there. So she, Interesting. Yeah, and, and so she didn't really know a lot about it. She was going to be a corporate designer, but we had fallen in love, and she was going to follow me where I went, and I had to go to North Carolina, so she quit her job and followed me, which mm-hmm. – was pretty awesome. And when she was down there, it was a, a top-notch program. It still is. And, you know, she got in, great test scores, did it in two years, which I think was kind of hard to do. And then we ended mm-hmm. up in Cincinnati, and she was a professor at um, UC, at DAP, Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning. Okay. When she was there, it was one of the top 10 design schools in the world, according to different surveys, which take them for what they're worth. But, um and then we wanted to be closer to home. So, you know, we're both from Illinois, and mm-hmm. um, we got pregnant, and we, we wanted to – I like to be in Wisconsin. That was my, kind of my jam. But, um, and then in the UW system, Milwaukee has, like, the architecture, the design. In Madison has, like, you know, the med school and the law yeah. school. And so, you know, we ended up going to Milwaukee, and that's where we've been ever since. Yeah. And so, yeah. Now, she did – she did some really, really cool work with some design and helping out children with some... Yeah, I mean, part of her research was not art. And it was funny because she always felt yeah. strange being in an art school because she was a designer. But, you know, everything from the corporate design that she had done to her research when she was in grad school and at the University of Cincinnati was, you know, how do you do wayfinding or signage for ESL? You know, how do you do biomedical yeah. devices? And and I think in our mind, in our country, we jump to Spanish as ESL. But, you know, you 
have someone from China mm-hmm. that doesn't speak English and they don't understand even the symbol. Yeah. I mean, it's that, so it's like, it was that yeah. kind of that, again, it comes back to that universal, that usability, that sort of, you know, what can you do? How can you make the world a better place? And then she moved on to um, rapid prototyping, 3D printing hands yeah. for kids born without hands or fingers, I guess, yes. right? That's um, a that's an amazing program. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. She actually gave a TEDx talk on that. Yeah. Um, but she... Um, yeah, it's, it's just that was her that was her thing, and it was kind of like you know make the world a better place, and you know, and, and the idea behind that was you know uh, an artificial limb is quite expensive. Yeah, and so for those of you who have young siblings or kids, you know that from ages four to ten, the kid grows a lot. So yeah. to spend a lot of money for an appendage that doesn't work very well, so yep. they could kind of rapid prototype that. So, um, so she was able to sort of do that. Yeah, I mean, and like, and she was able to do it like pennies on the dollar, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the idea behind it, you know. Yeah. And then she kind of was on the front edge of the three D printing movement. She didn't develop it, but in terms of this group, she belonged to yeah. and things like that. And then, kind of the last thing she did, there's a PBS special called Make Forty Eight, mm-hmm. and it's basically sort of innovation. And she put together a team from Milwaukee, and they went out to Baltimore and filmed it. Yeah, yeah, I guess last year or something like that. So that'll okay. air at some point. And she's not in it, but it, that's what she would do. And it was, yeah, she was very much into that kind of scene. So, yeah, yeah. At, that's I always, whenever she talked about it, and you, you guys had a three D printer at your house, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and whenever we'd talk about it, I was just always, I was just fascinated, and that 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 concept, um, really hit home for me, and mm-hmm. I, I was really appreciative of her work and really ad ad admiring of her work in right. that area. But we miss her. We yeah, really, we, we do. Really, yeah, we, really we do. do. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, you're preaching to the choir, brothers. So. Yeah. No. All right. Let's lighten up a little bit. All right. <laughs> We're going to move on to the lightning round right. that, that we do on, on the podcast each time. And so I've got a couple questions that he has no idea mm. uh, what they are, and he's supposed to answer them relatively quickly. If you want to dive in and, All right. and, okay. and provide justification, you can. So here we go. All right. Your favorite sandwich uh, I have oh so many, but they need to be warm. I'm a warm sandwich kind of guy. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. PB&J, I'm good cold, but otherwise I, I kind of like a warm sandwich. Okay. Yeah. So warm. 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 <laughs> it's broad. broad top, Your answer yeah. to favorite sandwich uh-huh. is warm. Warm, warm sandwich. Yep. All right. <laughs> if I went into your car right now and the last song that was playing on your car radio, what would it be? Uh... <laughs> uh, Danger from Blasey Blasey, which is a kind of late 90s hip-hop group. All right. Nice. Or some form of 10-year-old pop music. 10-year-old pop She's music. She's starting to get kind of teeny <laughs> out, so yeah. yeah. Um, what is your favorite sound? What is my favorite sound? Yeah. Evan Marlowe's laugh. Um, <laughs> there it is. See? Oh, that's great. Um, I don't know. It, yeah. it's, it's funny, and it, it's... You know, in light of what's happened recently with my wife passing away, try not to dwell on the yeah. the sappy things. And, you know, I think the cliche would be like, my wife's laugh, which was great. Yeah. I mean, but it's not that. I think it's more like, um, I don't know. I really don't. It's I a prob- really odd question. It, it's not an odd question. It's, 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 a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very open-ended one because, yeah. I mean, you can go so many ways with yeah. it. I mean, I, and it's hard to quantify. I think I like when my daughter laughs. Yeah. You know, I love when my wife laughed. I liked... I like the sound of my house, which doesn't really yes. have a sound, but it's my space and yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah the so. way that things reverb. Yeah, and the way that yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's home. It's comfortable, right? Absolutely, so, yeah. I agree with that. Do Do you believe in Bigfoot? 
do I believe in? I have a buddy I golf with, and we call him Squatch. And so, <laughs> and he's kind of a hairy dude. Um, do I believe in Bigfoot? I don't. I don't believe in Bigfoot. That's okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, if it makes you happy, sure. I believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> do I think there's some Sasquatch or wood ape out running around in the Pacific Northwest? No. No. <laughs> It's debatable. Um, yeah, right. Um. <laughs> all right. So, for all you hot Harry Potter people out there, oh, man. if Voldemort offered you a hug, mm-hmm. would you accept it? Sure. Really? He's just a dude, man. Do you think he's? Well, do you think he's got like a underlying thing that like he wants to hug you for a reason? You wouldn't think twice about that. Um, no, no, because one, he's made up, <laughs> and two, because uh, you know. And I, I guess this is the a little preview to the whatever I'm supposed to do at the end of the yeah, podcast. But, yeah. Man, everyone's going through something we don't know about, so just be cool, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like just, you know. Even Voldemort. Even Voldemort. Yeah. There are very few pure evil things in the universe. Yeah. Maybe he's one of them. I don't know. All right. But there, you always look for the good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. Nice. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel all warm <laughs> inside now. <laughs> all right. We just went to Fleet Farm. We did. And we went on a smorgasbord uh, run in yeah, the, the snacks and candy mm-hmm. aisle. Mm-hmm. If you had to eat stale Sour Patch Kids mm-hmm. or fresh circus peanuts, oh, what would you choose? Sour Patch Kids. Huh. Now, and now here, here's the thing. My wife, when we first started dating, told me of her love of circus peanuts. Yeah. And so I would buy them. And I don't know that she liked them that much. I yeah. just think it was something that was kind of out there and she had had as a child the texture kind of gets to me yeah they're, they're different they are different door stoppy i don't know that yeah. i think a stale sour patch kid is just a harder to chew <laughs> i mean i don't think the flavor is that different it's like a jolly rancher it kind of is yeah right yeah, yeah so <laughs> makes sense yeah. all right um let's see oh what does scuba stand for what does self-contained underwater breathing apparatus? Oh, gosh. You're not supposed to know. You're supposed to you have need to better make questions. something up like yeah. scholastic. No, I'm not that clever. No. 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 I, and I know the answer, so I have to tell you that, right? <laughs> well. There you go. There was supposed to be funniness there, mm-hmm. kids. And you ruined mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you, this is a, this, this is the, the question that comes back on oh, yeah, the pod yeah, yeah, yeah. weekly. There okay. are last, the mm-hmm. last two. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Um, bare-handed, or can I have, like, a five-iron? I, I like bare-handed. Yeah. I, I, I had mm. no weapons allowed. You yeah. were in the wild. Yeah. They, it snuck up on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would take on a, a, a hundred... Duck-sized horses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, so I, I ask this every time, and yeah. I've had a lot of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the horse-sized duck has, like, a weakness? Like so, like, like the Imperial Walkers, or, you I, know, like, yeah. you just tie them up and they fall uh, over? Well, okay, so if we have rope. No, it's barehanded, yeah. right? You <laughs> it's said. true. Uh, um, I don't even know what you just asked me. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to process what a 100-foot duck would look like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so or or horse sized duck. Horse sized yeah. duck. Um so I'm I'm a big golfer uh-huh. and I coach both boys and girls golf where I yeah. teach. And we always have issues with like geese and swans and they're kind of mean. They are. They're and so I'm guessing that a horse sized duck would be ornery and 
and know it's big enough that it could probably want a battle. Because if True. it's actual size now, it still wants to go after you. So I'll, I'll do the 100 horses. All right. Yeah. All right. And finally, yeah. do you drink the cereal milk left over in the bowl I, after I, I, I a do. delicious bowl of cereal? I, I do. Good. Um, Good. But there's a quantifier with this. Okay. Now. So I think life is the best cereal out there. I'll go through phases of like. Well, I thought you were getting really deep there. No, I, I am, but, but, like, <laughs> but, but this is something I, want, I need you to think about, right? This is sort of the, um, I usually will eat a bowl of cereal, mm-hmm. and then when I do it, and I don't do it very often, I will go for a second bowl. Yeah. Now, the hard part is this, and this is the, the demon I wrestle with, is if I add more cereal to the milk that's there, mm-hmm. the milk becomes too sweet. And the ratio of milk to somehow the sure. milk like percolating through the cereal on the way sure. down makes it it's oversaturated with flavor. Yeah, right. Yeah, but then if I drink the milk and then get fresh milk, then I got a pretty full belly. So it's kind of that. It's true. It is. It's something that it keeps me up at night sometimes. <laughs> like, do I drink the milk or do I? But I, but yeah. I find it. I have a hard time with food where I like it. So I would be like, oh, I have a cereal kind of kick today, and it's like half the box is gone. Uh-huh. Half a gallon of milk, and then I'm sick all day. <laughs> I'm a slow learner, so yeah. <laughs> I keep doing it. All right. Well, that uh, that about does it for our, our interview portion. We're going to mm. take a short break, insert all of our copious amounts of ads here, and then we'll come back with Chris's On Your Way Out speech. <clears throat> Stick around. Hey, everyone. Evan back again. I just wanted to... Do a quick drop in and let you know that you can find this episode and all of the other episodes on onyourwayout.com or wherever you're going to find podcasts these days. And if you know of anybody that's maybe hosting a big event or has something they'd like to advertise and maybe would be a great host or sorry guest on the show, make sure you send me a contact over on onyourwayout.com on the contact page and I'd be happy to get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks a lot, and back to the interview. All right, and welcome back. Uh, this is the the title portion of the podcast. Uh, we've got Chris Early here, um, special education teacher, golf instructor extraordinaire, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have invited him to take the seat in the hypothetical position that he has mere hours left mm. to live and he gets a chance to impart whatever knowledge that he wishes to leave as his legacy. And so we're going to give him kind of the floor and let him take over. And please welcome Chris Early. Wow. Thank you. So I think a lot of, uh, a lot of what I have to say is probably better in small chunks and something to, to reflect on. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not much one to get up and give a sermon on the mount, if you will, of like mm-hmm. this is what we have to do. Um, you know, and it's funny because I think it's it's something that I have a lot of sort of isms, if you will, mm-hmm. um, probably some cliches, things that I'm not clever enough to come up with, but something that I've really enjoyed kind of living by. Um, and so I kind of jotted a few things down last night, so I seem somewhat professional. And we'll see where <laughs> they end up. But um, it's something that, that I kind of modeled this after, what do I need to tell my 10-year-old? Because her mom's gone, and if something happens to me, I need to make sure that she has yeah. enough kind of gas in the in the tank to to kind of you know finish the path that we started her on. And so, sure. And I think a lot of this was also shaped by my wife. I started dating her when I was nineteen. I mean, and so mm-hmm. I, it's over half my life was spent with her, and it's something that, um, you know, it's it's a lot of sort of 
self-reflection, you know, since she's passed away and, and how do I move forward? And so, yeah. you know, I think one of the things I try and, and tell my kids, and that's probably the best way to go about this is, and I said it earlier, it's like everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. So you have to be kind. And, and some people's battles might seem insurmountable and others might seem very trivial, but to us in the moment, that's something that, that we all deal with. And mm-hmm. so it's something that, you know, kindness is important. So do you give Voldemort a hug like you asked or, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, for the high school students or the college kids listening or whatever, it's like, man, we're all there. We're all going through it. No one's perfect. Social media kind of skews that little bit. It's like we're all dealing with things. So you you need to be kind Mm -hmm. to a fault. Um, You know, I I, I kind of uh, make sure you bring something to the party. Okay, and yeah. that's like a literal, like when you go to someone's house, like offer, offer a gift to, you know, in, in the letter my wife wrote me before surgery, the line that, that kind of resonates with me is, our two halves made a pretty good whole. Mm-hmm. So I brought something to the relationship. And that's something that knowing you and Keely, as long as I have, I think you guys, you complement each other well. So bring something mm-hmm. to the party. So make sure that when you interact with people in life, that you're contributing to them positively and, yeah. and to make sure that that you're not leeching off them emotionally, sure. socially, physically, however you want to say it, right? So Absolutely. it's like you, you need to, to bring something to the party. Um, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, so use them in proportion. Yeah. And I think that's something that um, I may not <laughs> sort of follow, you know, practice <laughs> what I preach. When I'm, but but I, I find in, in situations it's like the more I listen, you know, the more I'm able to kind of reflect on what's being said and take it in and process it. And I'm able to sort of, hear the struggle someone has, right? Sure. I'm able to identify with that. I think empathy is important. I think too often now we're, we're not empathetic to others. Mm-hmm. We're, we're quick to make judgments and decisions. And then we have actions and our actions impact people. And it's, sure. it's, so it's just kind of one of those things, um, you know. Um, the mantra I tell my daughter now is you don't get rich writing checks. Yep. It's something to sort of like, and again, you can take all these sort of very service level of like save your money, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and or a bit deeper than that in terms of just, you know, just don't give all that you have. Save some stuff back, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, it's important to take care of yourself as well. And I feel like if you were to plot this sort of lecture, it's going to be all over the map because that's kind of how my brain works and kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but hopefully you guys can follow it's very this, true. the spider web of, of where I'm, you know. Um, so um, I have also really bad handwriting. So as I glance at my notes, I can't, uh-huh. I can't see... Uh, I'm in um, the same boat too. There right? you go. Yeah. We both should have been doctors. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Except for I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> um, you know, make sure that you you're not afraid afraid to fail. I, I think that's the hardest part. It's yeah. okay to struggle. Um, Absolutely. We all. I don't care who you are. Everyone in the world has sucked at something at some point in their life, mm-hmm. and some of us just put it down and walk away, and some of us try and persevere. And it's important to know when you're in school that you know maybe you didn't get the A on the test you thought you should have, mm-hmm. you know, received. However, your C might impact you more because it showed you what you did wrong. Yeah. And sometimes that's what's really important, right? Sure, absolutely. And so it's okay to fail. It's not okay to quit. You cannot quit. That mm-hmm. is not an option. Um, you have to, not, that's not like smoking or drinking, right? right I mean, but it's like, <laughs> you, like you have to really make sure that, like, when you do fail, you need to take a step back and sort of reassess and mm-hmm. see where you're at and how to move forward. And some things are very trivial in life. Um and some things aren't. So learn to kind of focus on what's important. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and yeah, I just, I think 
try not to be the smartest person in the room. Surround yourself with people that have more intelligence, more skill, bring things to the party, all yeah. kind of comes full circle, and be more like them. That's something that I think is has become more apparent to me recently, I mm-hmm. think, is I've surrounded myself with really loving, supportive people. Yeah. Uh, and I have some great friends. I have some great acquaintances. I mean, they aren't even on that level, but they're people that that as I sit back with my two ears, my one mouth, and I listen to what they have to say, and I think that's great. I want to be more like them in this, this aspect. Yeah. And it kind of comes back even to education. I, I'm kind of a gnarly, snarky dude, and I kind of, my kids will probably tell me I got a slick mouth. Mm-hmm. But, but, and I, so I'll take a step back sometimes and say, okay, am I pushing this kid too hard? Sure. How do I do that? So I think it's important to sort of reflect on that. And it's from working with other compassionate teachers that I see how they present a topic or I see how they interact with a kid mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And I think that's something that, that is important. Um, you know, it's just to, to how can you be better? My mm-hmm. wife did it with what she did. Yeah. You, you do it with music. How can you be better? I, I hang out with you because you bring something <laughs> to the party. Yeah. I mean, you, you do. And I, I often yeah. think like, and I know that you and I've had conversations and I think it happens and it's okay to ask for help. Hey, do you think I did this wrong? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you think I did that wrong? You know? Yeah. And, and that's another thing that I try and instill in my daughter's, it's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. It's also okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's also okay to turn help down if you need to figure it out. You know, communication is key. So. Yeah. So just these little kind of bullet points that I've, I've found have been helpful. It's not very polished. It's not very last lecture but it's like yeah. if, I have, if I know I'm going to be gone today and my daughter has nothing but what I tell her left, that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what it is. It comes down to, to be kind, to empathize with others to listen to what people have to say and to not sweat the small things, to understand that it's okay to ask and give help, yeah. you know, and, and leave where you've been better than when you found it. And I think if we all did that, that would help a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. That, and that, that really does kind of, I mean, you, you've managed to break down <laughs> huge giant things into, into, rather succinct bullet points and actually I really do I like the way that you kind of wrapped it all up with a bow because it really does it puts it in a I think you mentioned putting it in a telling your 10 year old right like those are things that 10 year olds can understand right those are also things that 88 year olds can understand at the same time and I think that that's that's important that yeah yeah, I, I I can't agree more um so you and I have have been friends now like i mentioned before for you know eight to nine years or something like that and so um i say this about a lot of my guests and he is chris is no different um he he really does strive to live these these things that he's talking about and i think that's important to to note you can say things hmm. and this is a this is actually kind of i think started to become a recurring theme on this podcast is that you can say things or you can do them right and I would not have you on the podcast if you were not <laughs> successful and if you weren't doing what you, well, what you say. You. And, yeah. um, and so you have, um, you have gone through hell and back. Mm. And, um, yeah, both me professionally, both, but me mainly as a friend, uh, I appreciate you. I love you. No, and love I, you I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we've had this time to be able to sit down and talk about this because I think other people can really benefit from hearing your story. And going and understanding even just one iota of of what's happening. Yeah, I, and I think it's something that's important to keep in mind. And I, I 
I struggle with trying to not talk a lot about it. It helps yeah. me. I do enjoy to talk, but I also know, you know, where I teach, the kids don't ask a whole lot, but there's a lot of kind of 40 to 60 year old teachers that really want to chat about what happened. And I'm yeah. a pretty open book and I have no problem kind of imparting what wisdom I have. Cause unfortunately it's, it's, it's on our, our path, right? We're all going to kind of have to unfortunately go through these really hard times. Yeah. And it's important to know what, what works and what doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I stood up in front of the school I teach at, um, right at professional development, right at the end of summer before school started. And I kind of had three things to say, you know, and, and one of them was, you know, make sure that your, your, your life insurance is paid up. You know, th- take, take care of like the paperwork yeah. side of it, however you want to phrase yeah. that. Um, the second thing was write notes and hide them all over your house. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the teen years can be kind of angsty and maybe you don't like mom and dad or grandma or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like, write a note, hide it, go put it underneath a coffee cup or something. And if something happens, it's there. And if it, someone finds it, then you can talk about it. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's important because that's something that my wife did and something that my daughter, when she's 55, 60 and has a grandkid, yep. she can be like, here's a note my mom wrote kind yeah. of thing. Um, you know, the last thing I told the teachers were take time for you. And this is something that's hard to understand is that no one will ever replace my wife as a person or as a mom. Mm-hmm. But life goes on and they replaced her as a teacher. Yeah. Doesn't mean that yeah. th- doesn't mean the teacher who's taken over is worse. Might be ten times better, and her her students might benefit from that. Sure. However, what it comes down to is it's important for you to experience life as a person and with your family. And that's because yeah. at some point in time, unfortunately, we don't have those luxuries. Yep. And that's something that I think is really important: is that you know take time for yourself. Make sure you're mentally healthy, you're physically healthy, you're emotionally healthy. Make sure that you have everything in place that you need. And, you know, tell your parents you love them, you know, call your mm-hmm. old friend, whatever it is, right? I mean, I'm not saying like every day and it's like the sky is falling, but you just need to be aware that, you know, time is fleeting and you yep. know, take care of yourself. And, well, and know. this is a good message for today. Uh, it is. A lot of people making those New Year's resolutions right and looking back and reflecting on the past year and what we would like to do, what are your goals for the next year? And these are great ways to start. Um, these are things that, the things that you just mentioned are things that, well, I could make that call. Or I could watch this other, you know, this episode on Netflix. Right. Or, or I could do this. So make that time. Take the time. Right. Well, thank you so much well, for coming on for and, and doing the interview. I really appreciate it. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been awesome. All right, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I wanted to take a moment to give the most sincere thank you possible to Mr. Chris Early for not only being an incredibly insightful but amazingly vulnerable guest. This has been an incredibly trying time for him and his families and to have the strength and bravery to give advice when the wounds are still fresh. It's really awe-inspiring. We love and miss a dream so much. And Chris, when you hear this, please know that you and your beautiful daughter, Corinna, are always in our thoughts and always welcome. She's gone but she will absolutely never be forgotten. A testimony to the type of person she was, a dream Blair's final act was to donate her organs and tissue to help others. Through her donations, she was able to save the lives of seven people. She gave the gift of sight to two more, 
and provided tissues to more than 75 cancer patients. I urge you that if you are able, please sign up to be an organ donor, and you could be the lifesaver for someone who really needs it. Thank you, as always, to my lovely and supportive family, my wife Keely and my son Emmett, and a big thank you to Graham Marlowe for providing us the track that we used for the intro and outro music for today's episode. You can find more from Graham Marlowe on his SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash G-R-A-H-A-M hyphen M-A-R-L-O-W-E. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next time.